Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're worshiping online or here in the room, let's stand and give glory to God today. Have done great things. 
want to give the Lord praise and glory today and honor for all the great things that He has done in our lives. Come on, give Him praise. Hallelujah. And good morning to those online. Isn't it lovely to be here? Can you think of all the great things that God has done in your life? I know I can. Let's just give Him a, a praise. I'm going to read from Psalms 30, verse 11 through 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen. What a promise for all those who are grieving. What a declaration that he will turn mourning into joy. Hallelujah. There's no... He's just amazing. Let's all bow our heads in prayer and come humbly before the throne of grace. Our Heavenly Father, you are our Abba Father. You are our Jehovah Rapha. You are the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot praise you enough for the things that you have done in our lives, Lord. We thank you for the things that you have done that we don't even know you've done. The blessings we have received that we didn't even know about. The protection that you have given us when we did not know we needed protecting. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you sent your Son down to save us, to save a dying world, so that he who believes in him shall not perish, but have the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I ask you to fill this room with your sweet presence, Lord, to fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit, so that we may better hear and understand what it is that you want us to hear today. Heavenly Father, bless our services and just bless each one of us. And Lord, I ask that you bless us and keep us, that you make your face to shine upon all of us, Lord, and be gracious to us and turn your countenance towards us and grant each of us your peace. And I ask all this in the most precious and holy name, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. And you may be seated. Hey everyone, my name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we want to take a few minutes to let you know about some of those. As we seek to build community within our church, we see membership as an important step in that journey. Our next opportunity for membership is coming August 21st from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Bear Campus. This class is open to anyone from either of our campuses. The class is facilitated by Pastor Roger and gives you a chance to see an overview of our church and where you might have the chance to serve. If you would like to be a part of this, you can call the church office or send an email to cfrederick at ctcde.church. We live in a broken world with broken people, and brokenness comes in many forms, whether it be through grief, a failed marriage, or a traumatic event in your life. God is an expert at putting us back together and restoring us to see the way he sees us. 
We are preparing to launch a new life group called How to Heal from Brokenness. The group will meet on the first and third Saturday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. beginning August 20th and will be facilitated by Linda Haran. To learn more, call the church office or send an email to lharan at ctcde.church. We have been having such a great time with Jerusalem Marketplace VBS and we have just two more weeks. On Wednesday, July 27th at the Bear Campus, we will have a celebration night from 5.30 to 8 p.m. The evening will include food, games, inflatables, crafts, and great fellowship as we conclude this year's VBS. Even if you and your children have not been able to participate, we invite you to be with us for this night of fun. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week. great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And as I was thinking about the words of the song that the the praise team just sang, one of the lyrics was, awake in his freedom, alive. And that reminds me of a song that I used to hear when I was growing up. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen. Amen. We're happy that you're with us today for everyone who's here and for all of our sisters and brothers who are joining us from their homes or their respective places. It could be work. It could be from anywhere, but we're so glad that we are all here in the presence of the Lord. We'd like to um, let you know about some things. The first would be the Connect card. If you're seated at a table or in a chair, you'll see a card that says Welcome on the front and Connect on the back. If you're at home or on joining us online, there is a Connect tab on your computer. We ask that you click the tab. We ask that you complete the card for yourself and everyone that's at your table or with you in your party. Um, and also, the Connect card has a, ta- uh, has a place where you can record praise reports or prayer requests. We ask that you do that for us so that we can meet throughout the week and confidentially pray over your your prayer concerns or your praise reports. If you are at home, there is a prayer tab that you can connect. Click also. I'm getting connect and click mixed up this morning. But you can click it and submit a prayer request that way. The important thing about praying for one another is that it helps God understand that we worship him corporately and that your concerns are our concerns and we are happy to always intercede on your behalf in prayer. If this is your first time here and you're in the room, as you leave the celebration room to your left, there's a welcome center. Please stop by so that we can greet you and tell you hello, offer you a small gift and tell you how happy we are that you're here today. And if you're with us online and this is your first time here, Please click the New Here tab, and someone from Pastor Vaughn's team will reach out to you this week 
to let you know how happy we are that you've joined us in worship today. Amen. We are happy. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, Ed. And let me offer my welcome to you, to everyone. It is always great to see you uh, joining us. Uh, welcome, Rick. Your seat's right over here. And uh, so glad, so glad that you're, you're, you're all here today. It's summertime, so people are on vacation, but you're still choosing to be with us and to, to worship the Lord and to, to encourage and to help one another. At Christ the Cornerstone, we focus on three words. Love, love God with your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Serve. Serve the Lord your God with gladness as we reach out and serve others and to engage. And we engage one another in small groups. We engage the world uh, with a message of, of hope, of love, of forgiveness, of everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we are here to do. And uh, we want you to use your, your gifts uh, to do that. You are the most effective ministers here at Christ the Cornerstone Church. And uh, the staff and everybody, we're all here to help you have those ministries wherever you are. We're so excited to see you uh, share with others the way that you do and to share generously. And we have some principles here that we want to follow. And so here's principle number nine. Let's, let's read this principle together. We give purposely as God directs us individually to do. We're going to hear later in the message today that... God wants us to make the most of every moment and to care about how we live our lives and and what we do. And that means we do it thoughtfully. We do it carefully. And uh, being generous, this this, uh, principle reminds us to be intentional about what we're giving and to do so. Let's read this scripture together that talks about uh, the principle that we've just uh, read. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. God is good to us. God understands our lives. You know, He doesn't want us to give just 1%, 2%, 3%, or 10%. He wants us to give 100% to His purposes and His glory. Now, obviously, I have a family to care for. And so part of that 100% that God has provided to me is to provide for my family. And, and so this is a great scripture, sometimes difficult to interpret and to apply, but uh, give according to what you have, not what you don't have. But trust God to provide everything that we need. This last Thursday, uh, we mailed out a letter to many of you. If, you are, if you're just a friend of the church, if you're a guest uh, of the church, or if you're acti- a, a member, active or inactive, you received a letter in the mail. The snail mail, the real mail. And uh, so watch your mailbox for that. And uh, it's an important letter for the body of Christ the Cornerstone. And I hope that you will pay attention to uh, pay attention to every word on that. I know most letters we get in the mail, we open up quickly. Who's this from? I don't need to hear what he has to say. Take time to read this, please. And uh, we want to be open to receive feedback from you. Any of our uh, uh, the members, Fran is one of our lay elders in the church. And uh, we've got several others who are also lay elders, and we want you to uh, we want to reach out to any one of them or call the church office with your questions uh, and comments about these things that are happening within our denomination or the vision that I that I've set out for us, things that I've wanted us to to make sure that we, as we go into our future, we have a positive and an exciting future together as Christ the Cornerstone Church. Let's continue worshiping God. I invite you to stand as you are able. You're ready to sing online if you're, if you're online with us, but let's bring the team back and we'll continue worshiping God through song. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we absolutely thank You with our whole hearts for what You are doing in our midst. You are with us. And we come this morning simply to pause, to recognize You in our lives, and and to dedicate ourselves once again, Lord. One more week, God, we're going to give ourselves to You. And Lord, we look back on the past week and we say, Thank You, God, for getting me through this week. We're here to serve You. Help us encourage one another and come and be present with us as we sing, as we pray, and as we hear Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In all of the battles that we fight in our lives, we have a champion that wins every time. Amen? And that's Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I've tried so hard to steal. It took me so long to believe in that you choose someone like me to carry your victory. Perfection could never What we don't deserve and you take the broken things and raise them to glory. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. I have the 
have conquered it all for us. Lord, you have done everything that we need you to do. So God, we give glory and honor unto your name because your name is to be praised. Can we just give the Lord praise this morning? I just just speak from your heart. Last week we talked about the psalmist where he says in several places in the song, sing a new song to the Lord. That has nothing to do with the copyright date of when a song was written, but it has everything to do with the fact that that new song is something that's born directly out of our spirit because our spirits want to communicate directly with God in thanksgiving for all that He is and all that He has done for us. And God, You have seated us with You and given us the power that You have. Jesus, before He left the earth, He told His disciples, and this is still good for us today, even greater things than I have done, you will do in my name. We have been given authority by Jesus Christ. And I know because I read prayer requests and I read praise reports around here that there are miracles standing in this room today. Amen? And I want to tell you that I am one of those miracles because of what God has done in my life over and over So, God, we want to worship you. And so, Lord, today our response to all that you have done in terms of the question of will we worship you, the answer is yes, I will. The psalmist also said the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork. And so, Lord, today, Lord, in response to that, we give you praise and honor and glory. We say yes, I will give you glory now. 
it forever. You have created it all. For that, we give you praise. And God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of With no point of reference, spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath the planet's born if the stars were made to worship so will I I can see your heart in everything you made every burning star a signal fire
created to respond to you. And so, Lord, today, we do that. Today and every day. Give you the praise and honor that you deserve. Creation obeys you. The things that you put in motion obey you. Nature, it all sings your praises. So today, despite the circumstances of our lives... We say, yes, I will praise you. God, we want to honor you with our hearts, with our attitude, with our lips, with everything about us. Because that's what you deserve. So I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform today. And as we prepare for Pastor Roger to come and bring the message today, uh, when this prayer is over and the bumper is played, then children that are going to to kids church they can go with Miss April and her team and they'll be ministering to her so let's join in together in prayer today Father we again we want to honor you with all that we are and all that we have Lord we thank you that you spoke and every failure that entire list of failures that I can speak for myself but that entire list of failures that I go through pretty much every day you don't even recognize that list because God you have wiped them away they're covered under your grace so today Lord we rejoice in that we pray for April and her team as they minister to our children this morning we pray your anointing and and your blessing on them 
We pray that you would raise our children up to be mighty men and women of God. That you would call their name. That they would hear you from an early age. We pray for Pastor Roger as he comes to bring the message this morning. That your anointing would rest on him. That you would open our ears and our hearts to receive from your word today. Lead us by your Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Life, it can be hard, but we were never meant to run this race alone. We were made for community, each one fulfilling their calling so that others can learn and become mature. Then, as Ephesians 4.14 tells us, we will no longer be blown about by every wind of teaching. Unity comes when we find, when you find, the place where you belong. Good morning again. You belong. Once again, we're continuing this series. Somebody said to me this week, this series has been really long. I said, I know. But we don't have, we don't have often, uh, how do I say that? It's not often (laughs) when we take time to just sit in one of the books of the Bible for a long period of time. And and so thanks for sitting here with me. And we've been in the book of Ephesians for, I think, 13, 14 weeks now. And and, uh, we have not exhausted everything. That's one of the beautiful things about God's Word, that... Uh, that every time we come to it, we it's speaking to us again, and there there's more here. It's kind of like sitting at a buffet, and uh, you know you're, you're you're sitting there, and there's so much food to eat that you can't possibly eat everything on the buffet. That's the disappointing thing about a buffet, right? Because you just want to eat everything. But if you did, it just wouldn't be healthy at the moment, and uh, we just can't consume all that food. I think God knows that we can't consume all there is of God in one moment. And so we come back to His Word time after time, and He keeps speaking to us and teaching us and being with us. And Lord's presence is here this morning. I hope you noticed that. I also thought as we were worshiping uh, through the music that there have been many times that I, as a child and as a young adult, I've I've, I've gone to church, and it has just felt like blah, just wrote just the same thing over and over again. Uh, but it is not that. And I know that there, there are many times and even seasons in our lives when we feel like we're just going through the motions. But just keep going because, because, only, because you don't feel God doesn't mean God's not there, if that made any sense. <laughs> God is still there. So, so hang with it, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm going to begin this morning from the book of Luke, and, and these are some harsh words from Jesus. And it's, it's part of belonging together in the body of Christ. And Jesus came and he said these words in Luke chapter 12. I came to start a fire on this earth. And you can, you can hear the anger in, in Jesus. I came to start a fire on this earth. And how I wish it were blazing right now. I have come to change everything. Turn everything Right side up. How I long for it to be finished. 
Do you think I've come to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so. I have come to disrupt and confront. Did you memorize that verse that Jesus said yet? Now, I was reading it out of the message paraphrase of the Bible. So you can go back to Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 53. What I read was Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of those verses. But you can see, and, and I, I think Eugene Peterson has done an excellent job to capture uh, what, uh, what Jesus is trying to say. I've come to start a fire on this earth. We are misled if we think that Jesus won't confront our lives. Indeed, that is exactly why He came. Today's message surely will confront us and the culture in which we live today. So you might want to tie your seatbelt a little tighter and hang on because we're going to meddle a little bit and step on some toes and talk about some things. Well, let me remind you that you belong by your faith in Jesus Christ. You belong to a family that has a way of living. There is a way to live the Christian life. In fact, the earliest Christians called it the way. There was a, a missionary named E. Stanley Jones. His, his, his ministry was back in the late 30s, 1930s, and into the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and he died in the 1970s sometime. He was a missionary to India. He sat down with, with Mahatma Gandhi and had conversation with Mahatma Gandhi. And he wrote about his conversations with Mahatma Gandhi. He was very powerful in the Christian uh, ministry in India. He has a, in 1942, he published a, a devotional booklet, a year-long devotional booklet called The Way. And the premise of his devotional was that the way of God is the way to life. Because God created us to live life. And He has a way for us to live life. And if we're not following the way Jesus has for us, we're not following the way of life that God has created us for. And, and anything off that way leads to death and destruction. And we can see in so many examples in our world today how, how the world has gone off. And that's why Eugene Peterson translates that, that passage that I read to you. Jesus has come to change everything, to turn everything right side up. How many times have you, have you thought about Jesus coming to turn everything in this world upside down? But actually, He's correcting it. He's putting it right side up. And thanks be to God that He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to do that for us. To turn our lives right side up. And the sad thing, though, is before we realize Jesus has brought us here to turn our lives right side up, we're living our lives upside down thinking it's right side up. If you cut, you got, I told you to put on your seatbelt. I did. I did say that. So the way of life that Jesus has for us is a way of life rather than death. It is the way of hope rather than despair. It is the way of love rather than apathy. 
And I chose the word apathy because often we might think that the opposite of love is hatred. That is not true. The opposite of love is lack of caring. Hatred, if somebody hates you, you can be sure that they care about you. Somebody at work doesn't like how much money you're making and they hate you because of that. And they're reminding you every day how much they despise you. If they didn't care about you, they wouldn't even care to tell you they hate you. So the opposite of love is not hatred. The opposite of love is I just don't care. I don't care if you live or die. I don't care if you make more money or less money. I don't care if you're my boss or not. I just don't care. I don't care about life. And a family where no one cares about another person is a family that is in absolute chaos. And a society where nobody cares is a society in chaos. A family where, where the parents allow the children to set their own rules because the parents don't even care when, how, or where the children get their food, go to bed, wake up in the morning, where they, what they do, how they do their laundry, if they do their laundry. They just don't care. You're a, child, you're a person. You figure it out yourself. I don't care how you do it. That's not the way God has for us to live. God has us a, a way for us to live life. Why? Because God cares. God cares for you. Jesus said, I came to start a fire because He cares. The message, the, the message Bible, the translation, makes it very clear that this world is upside down and Jesus came to make it right side up. And the Apostle Paul, in this book of Ephesians, explains what Jesus means in very practical terms. And so, we're in this book of Ephesians where Paul is helping us understand how much God cares for our lives. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. I encourage you to follow along on a Bible. Open it up. We've, there's one on the chair beside you or on the table in front of you. It's In these Bibles, it's page 980. Ephesians chapter 5, verse starting with verse 15, or you may use, you know, be on your device, or if you're at home, get your own Bible. Get your own Bible. I don't care. I do care. Get your Bible. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, I, I, I compared reading Scripture to coming to the smorgasbord, and, and, and we're going to look at, starting with verse 15, we're not going to stop reading until we get through, into chapter 6, verse 9. So on the screen, you're only going to see one or two verses at a time. That's why I kind of wanted you to look, open it up so that you can see, uh, go back and see bigger portions at a, at a time. And there are going to be some words in this that are familiar to you. But the reason I'm asking us to look at such a long piece of Scripture is because I want you to understand these words that we've all heard before probably in context. Because when we hear God's Word in context, it often takes on a different message than when we take it out of context and we fill it with our own meanings that God never intended many times. So verse 15 begins, So be careful how you live. And there's that word care right there. 
God wants you to take full care about the way you live your life. Because God cares for you. So what is that careful life like? Well, he contrasts it immediately. It's not like the fools, but it's like those who are wise. The way that God has for your life is the way of wisdom. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't waste a minute. It's convicting me already. Don't act thoughtlessly or carelessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand it in your head. That's an that's a intellectual term. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Again, that gets contrasted. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, if you're not drunk by wine, what Paul is saying here is he don't be controlled by the things of this world. And wine is not the only thing that controls us. But instead, allow God's Holy Spirit to control every part of you. What your body does, the decisions that you make, the executive faculties of your brain. Don't poison it with alcohol. How many times have you heard anybody say, alcohol is poison. And it changes your, your mind. It changes the way you do. And, and we probably all know people who have died of alcohol poisoning. So, so, so I, 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 you know, I know a lot of people drink, and I'm not saying drinking is wrong. They drank wine back then. But why would we put poison knowingly in our body? Well, anyway, be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, out of which comes the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The way that God has for you to live is a way of positivity and gratitude and thankfulness. Are these the things that, that rule your life? Or is there depression and despair, hopelessness that's ruling your life? That is not the way that God has for us. I know that in our world we still experience, I still experience depressing days. Because we live in this world I remember going to a counselor once and, and, he's, and he said, well, what's going on? And I said, well, I think I'm depressed. He said, well, tell me what's going on. And so I told him and he stopped and he said, well, that's depressing. I said, thank you. So even in my depression, I was giving thanks because <laughs> somebody understood me. Because the things of this world cause that. But it's not the way that God wants us to live our lives. And it's not the way He has for us. There is another way. And that way is through Jesus Christ. Verse 20 says, 21 goes on. And further. So, so in, our, in our Bibles that we've got here on the tables, and maybe in your Bible too, there's a, there's a separation in, on the page. There's a new paragraph. Well, actually, it's not a new paragraph, so I don't quite understand why the editors of this Bible put a 
put a space in there and they inserted the heading spirit guided relationships. I don't know why they did that, because verse 21 really belongs to the previous paragraph. And that's why I'm having us look at an entire passage, because I want us to see it as a whole unit. So this whole unit of Scripture goes from verse 15 in chapter 5, and it doesn't stop until verse 9 of chapter 6. So let's keep reading. So all that we've read before, we're keeping that in our minds, and Jesus adds to that, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to pause here before we go on with the rest. And I want to say very plainly and very clearly that this whole paragraph that we've just read is the, is the broad topic that Paul wants us to think about. This is the point that he's making for us. Live your life controlled by the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Maybe you should repeat that after me. Live controlled by the Holy Spirit. Say that. Live controlled by the Holy Spirit, submitting to one another, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. That's the, that's the core of, of this teaching right here. And what's, what he's going to do next is he's going to apply that principle to our lives. But before I get there, I want to talk about this word submit. We hate the word submit. Why? Because we're living in an upside down world, but God created us to be people who submit to one another. That sounds horrible, Pastor Roger. I am independent. I don't have to submit to anyone. Eh, get over yourself. Yes, you do. Because when you learn to submit yourself to one another, you will find that life is so much better. Now, hear me also clearly. I am never advocating that you must submit yourself to someone who is harming you. Someone who is going against what God is teaching us to do. Because He said, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Submitting yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I know that there are times, especially we're going to talk about families in a minute, there are times where marriages where the wife is being oppressed and suppressed by the husband wrongfully. And she has to get out for her safety, for the children's safety. And that must happen. So I'm not saying you just submit yourself to everyone, anyone, without thoughtfulness. Remember, Jesus said, live carefully. But what we're following in our life is not the way of this world. It's the way of God led by His Holy Spirit who He gives to us here and now. But we surrender ourselves. We submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then he gets into verse 22. This is the one that nobody wants me to read. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of his body, the church. Christ is. And as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. I know this is difficult. 
I had a I had a young mom, part of our church, come to me after she knew that I was preaching on this passage, and she she came and stood in my office, and she said, Pastor Roger. And, and, and the Holy Spirit was giving her something to say. And, and she was saying something like this, Please tell people, tell the wives, that this passage does not mean that they lose themselves to, the, to their husband. It doesn't mean that they are, that they are dominated by their husband. It means that this is the way that God has for us. And we talked about the differences between men and women. And we know in our culture today, this is something that we're debating in Congress. What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? Nobody's asking that question. The only question they're asking is, can you define woman? Well, we talk about defining manhood also. All right, no, I'm meddling. I'm going to pull away from that. This means wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Our model for submission is Jesus Christ. Now, Paul dedicated three verses to the wives. Gentlemen, husbands, here it comes. And if you ever... Take verses 22 through 24 out of context in order to whip a woman, you're sinning. You're wrong. To dominate your spouse, to tell her what to do because you're the husband, you are missing the point that Paul is making here. And so Paul says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave His life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. Men, I don't care if you're married or not. This is your purpose as a man in relationship to all women. To love them. To treat them kindly, gently. To lead them in a place that is safe, secure. To purify others as Christ purified the church. And how does He do that? He shed His own blood. He sacrificed Himself for her good. And is that what you're doing for the other women? Young men who are single... I guarantee if you start seeing all other women this way, you won't have any problem finding a date. <laughs> Verse 27 continues. He, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. And that's a, that's a little weird language happening there. He did this to present himself. Well, Jesus is God. So Jesus... Jesus came in order to purify and cleanse the church to make us so that we, we can stand before God without blemish. Husbands, it is not your job to cause your wives to anger, to sin. It is your job to help them also stand before the Lord. I'm not really preaching. I'm just reading Scripture, aren't I, Pastor, John, Pastor Vaughn? 
He did this to present her to God himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any blemish. Take care of your spouse. That's your job. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. If you complain about your wife having faults, it's your fault. (laughs) I know that was probably a paraphrase. In the same way, husbands, look at this. God knows how selfish we human men are. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. As much time you spend on the gym, as much time as you spend working, as much time as you spend perfecting yourself, you ought to be spending the same amount of time perfecting your wife as you love your own body. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. See, God knows how selfish we are. Even in loving, we know we're going to get a return. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, as we are, and we are members of his body. And as scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. When you love your wife, you're loving your own body, because you are one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say it again. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's see, verse 25 to verse 33, that's eight verses to the man. Three verses to the wife. You'll never read this passage again the same as you did before. That was a, that was a, that was a word of God. <laughs> and then, and because we're a household, the, 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 there's a word here. We, we, we use the word family, but in the in the in the Greek language, the word is oikos. And and just like you go to the grocery store and you're looking in the yogurt refrigerator and you see the oikos yogurt, it's the same word, and it doesn't mean yogurt. It means household. And so and so. We're talking about Paul is applying this point of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's applying it to the entire household. And we're running out of time, so I'm going to zip it up. Not immediately. And so he talks to the, husband, to the wives, and he talks to the husbands, and now he's going to talk to the children. Children, this is what it means for you to live by the Holy Spirit. Submitting to one another. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. There's that word belong again. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will live a long life on earth. That is so hard for our children to grasp. Our children don't understand uh, consequences. Our children don't understand long perspective of life. I don't even understand long perspective of life. I meet somebody who's 70, 80 years old, and then you meet somebody who's 100 years old. They have a a far better perspective of life than even I do. And then he talks specifically to the fathers. Here we go again to the men. 
Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, if we're going to be the father or the, or the mother, we're going to be the father that God wants us to be, we've got to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. What, what, the, the, the thing that has, has, has put more fear in me as a father, is, is when I realize that I'm not disciplining my children out of love for them, but I'm disciplining my children out of anger and frustration. Because I'm allowing the anger and the frustration to control me when I'm doing that. And I'm hurting my children. And I repent of that. And I ask God's forgiveness of that. When we discipline our children, do it looking to the future in, in, in love, to improve their life. And do it under the control of the Holy Spirit, not under the control of my emotions. We need this in our lives. And because in that day, slaves were a normal part of a household, Paul talks to the slaves. And I know that we have a hard time with this word slaves in our culture today. And we ought to have a hard time with this word slaves. But it does mean someone who is owned by someone else. And though we cringe at that idea, it was a reality in those days. And, and we, could, we could replace employee, employees, we could replace the word with servants today. And so it says, he's, Paul says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. And this is not the kind of fear that makes you afraid to approach somebody. This is the kind of respect that causes you to be careful. There's that word careful again. When you talk to your boss. Respect them. That's showing submission to the other. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Talk last, last night after church, one of our young men works at Amazon. It's his summer job. He's been working there for three years between uh, semesters in college. And, and I said, how's that working for you? He said, oh, it's a horrible job. But I don't, are you making your quota? Yeah, I get my 110 pieces every hour or whatever his quota is. And I said, I said, tomorrow when you go to work, go pick as if you're picking for the Lord. Here's a bag of diapers for a mom that needs them. Lord, bless this mom who's getting these diapers. I don't know. Maybe you're a cashier at a, at a, at a store. Maybe you're a bank teller. You're exchanging money. Maybe you're a car salesman. You're filling out paperwork. Maybe you're a teacher and you're, you're, you're off for the summer and, and, and you're making some plans, but you're also trying to rest and, and relax. So do it all as if you're doing it for the Lord. Because indeed you are. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. <laughs> that applies to all of us. We all do better when the boss is watching. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Thank you, God, for this job. Remember that the Lord... I, 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 listen, I'm preaching to myself. I, I, we don't all do this all the time. There are some tasks that are absolute drudgery. 
And, you know, we're, we're, we're making some renovations to the church. I talk about that in, in the letter that I sent to you. One of the things we're doing is improving our security doors uh, for the whole campus. And we've got to run some new wires. And the guy that was sent by Johnson Controls to run wires, he loves his work. I'm like, you love crawling through attics and tiny spaces, getting dirty and going through cobwebs? Well, that's not so much fun, but I like my work. I said, God bless you. Well, people have said to me, you enjoy doing funerals? I would hate that job. But that's what God called me to do. So we do it. Work with enthusiasm. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and you'll both have to answer to him. God has no favorite. Carolyn and I bought, I told you last week, we bought a, a, a day bed from Ikea that came in four nifty packages that fit nicely in my car. And we opened up the four boxes and it exploded. Boom. A million pieces. The, 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 a diagram with no words. Put this thing together. Carolyn and I worked together. We submitted ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. <laughs> so that we could put, there was a, it was a day bed with a trundle underneath. And when we were done with it, we were supposed to be able to pull the trundle out so it would be, it would be a twin-sized bed, two twin-sized mattresses that pull out into a king-sized bed. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, and, and, and so most many, many trundle beds pull out and there's still one bed up here and one bed down here. Not this one. This one pulls out and the two mattresses are level side by side so that my, my, my newlywed daughter and her husband can come home and have a, a space to sleep. Yay. It's not for us. So we submitted ourselves to read these instructions together. And to work together. You use the drill here. I'll use the drill here. You push there. I'll push. You pu- I'll pull here. Oh no, we did that wrong. You put that on the wrong piece. Oh no, we stuck it together. Can we get it apart without breaking it? We did it! <laughs> I'm not bragging. Oh yeah, I am. Because it's a piece of my Ikea. But, but you can do it is my point. We can submit ourselves to one another. This word, this, this, this word submission really is a description of dancing together. And a few years ago, uh, many years ago, um, I am not a dancer. I grew up, you didn't do that in my family's history. <laughs> and uh, Carolyn was a dancer. She, was, she, she learned ballet, tap, and jazz probably since she was four years old, if not younger. And she, she danced all through high school, and she even went to New York City to try to make it on Broadway. And she auditioned in shows, etc., for a couple of years in New York City. And I'm so proud of her for, for having the courage to, to go that direction. So she's a dancer. And I knew that she's a dancer, but I don't dance. So one of our anniversaries, I decided to, to give us ballroom dance lessons. I thought this would be a nice romantic thing to do. It'll be, take me way out of my comfort zone. 
and there's no way I'm joining. It was cheaper to join a class of dance lessons, but there was no way I was going to dance in front of anybody else for the, for the first time. And so I paid, I put out money for the private dance lessons. We had five of them, <laughs> as if that was going to make a difference for these feet. But anyway, so we got in there, and, and I, I admire anybody who can dance. And especially if you're with a partner, there's no, and in ballroom dancing, the point is not to have two people dancing together. The point is having one couple dancing. And it's not beautiful until the two of them are surrendering and submitting to one another. But somebody has to lead. And if there's not a leader, there's chaos on the dance floor. And that is the same thing. God is a God of order. And God has given us an order and a way to live our lives. And I know that we don't like to say that the husband is in the lead position. And it sounds diminutive. But this is not what it is meant to be. There is no domination in what God is saying to us. The role of the husband is to care for, to lead, to take his family into a place that is the way that God has for you, not you. And so you must first surrender yourself to the Lord if you want to be the husband that God wants you to be. And and that applies to men who are not married, who hope to be the husband that they desire to be. You still have to surrender yourself to the Lord. And wives, ladies, same message to you. You can't, you, you can't make your husband your God, and God doesn't want you to do that. God is your God. But this is what God asks you to do, to respectfully submit to one another, trusting that He's not going to abuse you, that He's not going to rule you, that He's not going to dominate you. But you're in this thing together, just like me and Carolyn. Figuring this thing out together. It took both of our minds to do it. We need each other because we belong. Love is the standard for all behavior of the Christian. Men and women. God's love in Jesus Christ is the ultimate model for our life and all of our relationships both here on earth and our relationship with God. And we surrender, we submit ourselves to God and to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ, who surrendered Himself to the will of God His Father in order to restore all of humanity to a right-side-up relationship with God and everyone else. Jesus is the way, the truth, in the life. So as we pray this morning, as we conclude, I just invite you to let God speak to you. How are your relationships? Do you trust in God this way? Are you letting God control your life or are other things controlling life? What do you need to confess this morning? What do you need to surrender? To whom do you need to submit? First to God and then to one another out of respect for our Lord. Let's stand together as we, as we sing together. And worship. I invite you to come and pray at the platform as the Lord leads you. If you want to pray with others in the, in the uh, prayer stations, you're invited to do so. You can pray online with others. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit of God, we need you. Fall on us fresh today as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey. 
first time, whatever way we need your Holy Spirit to be poured out on us today, individually and collectively as a church, we pray that you would do that. God, we open ourselves up to you, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, because Lord, when we live that kind of Spirit-led and Spirit-filled life, that makes it so much easier for us to submit to one another. So God, we pray that you would help us to continue to see how much better we are together than to try to live life on our own. We pray you would go with us from this place today. God, we pray you would minister to our families and our individually, each of us individually as we go in this week, that you would give us favor in everything that we do, that God, you would help us to encounter people that need to know the love and the message of Jesus Christ thank you for that. Chris is going to continue to play for a little while. The altar is open. If you need to come to the front and, and pray, if you want someone to pray with you, there are folks at the prayer stations at the back. If you're online with us, folks are available for another 10 or 15 minutes to pray with you. Don't leave this room or don't sign off today online before you have someone pray with you if that's what you need or if you just uh, come and take some time to, uh, to pray this morning. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us.